All right, we'll grab a Bible and turn uh, to the book of Philippians. And we are, we're going to do a series. We're kicking off a series today called uh, Deeper and Wider. All right, so if you're new to our church, if this is your first Sunday, let me just kind of, kind of set this up for you. Last year, we did a series called Deep and Wide. And Deep and Wide was really a vision series. It's really where I just kind of stood up and shared with you an answer to a question. We've been asking you know, this question, God, where are you taking us as a congregation? Where do you want us to go as a church family? And so if vision is a picture of the preferred future, then our question was, God, what is your picture of our preferred future? And so we met together as a staff team, an elder team. We prayed together. We, you know, we just haggled through all of that stuff. And we really felt like we got clarity on that. And so I shared with you that there's two parts to the vision that God has for us as a congregation here at Stones. And that is, we just want to make disciples of Jesus. We want to help people take their next step towards Christ. We want to help people grow in their relationship with Jesus. And so um, making disciples means that we just help people be intentional followers of Jesus. And we have a way that we describe that. And you guys, we use this about every Sunday. We use three B words and the three B words are uh, belong, become, and beyond, right? So we belong to God's family, we're becoming like Jesus, and we go beyond ourselves in service and sharing the gospel. And so that's what, that's what our part of what our vision is. But we have another part of our vision that we shared with you, and that is that we want to meet the practical needs of uh, the people right here around us in the, in the neighborhood surrounding our church. And so uh, we, you know, we've started an auto care ministry to help people um, that need car repairs. And, um, and we've, we're getting ready and hopefully in a couple of months, we're gonna launch a healthcare clinic that's gonna be free to the community right next door. And uh, we've been doing a ministry called Loving Beyond where we just you know, give homework help to uh, kids in need. And uh, we give uh, a free meal to, to families in need during that. And we, we also launched a ministry that kind of helps parents uh, through that whole fostering uh, you know, process and adoption process. And so we've launched a, a lot of those kind of ministries to kind of meet the needs in the community. And we just kind of felt like, you know, these were the things that God was calling us to, that God wasn't calling us to build another gymnasium. You know, uh, Greenwood and Center Grove, Martinsville, Mooresville, we don't need another gymnasium, you know what I'm saying? But we just needed to just meet people where they are. And we wanted to use those things to share the gospel with people because the biggest need in the community is people would come to experience the grace of God. And so we said, that's our vision. So as we were kind of thinking it through, our assessment was our facility wasn't big enough to house that vision. And so part of what we did in Deep and Wide last year is I challenged every single one of you to make a commitment to be generous giants, if you will, and to make a, a commitment of, you know, a 24 month commitment so that we could add on to our building and then refurbish our foyer. And you guys just you know, just really responded in a big way. So I just want to take a moment and give you an update on a couple of things. And, um, and here's, here's, here's kind of the first part of that update. Uh, the last year of our church, I mean, we're 12 months into this 24-month giving initiative. You guys, we have absolutely crushed it. This is the best year of giving in the history of our church. And so that's the first piece of the good news. The second piece of the good news is your giving has enabled us to be in a position where we're going to break ground at the end of this month. Can I get a, yeah, can we just praise God for that? So... 
we're halfway done and we just kind of wanted to refocus our family, our church family on, on deep and wide, just kind of bring us back to this because I know many of you are new and uh, we just wanna help you kind of get on board with this. So there's something really important I wanna share with you and I don't want you to miss this. We were planning a pay, what we call a pace setter gathering and we were gonna do it uh, next Sunday uh, afternoon at 4 p.m. But because of the uh, events and circumstances with Woody, uh, we decided to move it, you know, move it to the 18th. But we really want you to come and be a part of that pace setter gathering. You know, a pace setter is just someone in a race that helps sets the pace for everybody else. And we want you to be a pace setter. And so I know some of you are thinking, okay, well, what does that really mean? Well, um, I know many of you, most of you have made a pledge to deep and wide and you're giving regularly. You need to come and be there. You need to be at this pace setter gathering. I know that some of you haven't made a pledge to deep and wide. You also need to come and be a part of this pace setter gathering. Some of you are like, Scott, I still don't even understand what deep and wide is. You can come and be a part of the pace setter gathering because we, we have some really important information we want to share with you. We want to share with you the final cost. We'd like to share with you the timeline and we'd like to share with you the phases of construction. And we really just want you to be in the know on that. We want you to have all the information that we have so that you can pray with us and so that, um, you know, you can just be completely in the loop with that. Now, um, so that'll be on November 18th at 4 p.m. to 5.30, we'll have childcare. It'll be a fun evening. We're gonna, it'll be an informative evening as well. So you don't wanna miss it. So I really want you to be there. So November 18th, right? So if you, if you look at your bulletin, it's gonna say November 11th. Well, that, that's not correct, it's November 18th. Um, so just keep that in mind. Now you see in your, in your seat, there's a, a brochure that looks just like this. This is the deep and wide pledge card. And as I mentioned, we're 12 months in, we're halfway through. And you guys have been just crushing it. What we would like to do with this card is, is we would like to use it for the, just for the next 12 months. So if you look at right under, if you take it out, look on the left side under the words, take a step. You'll see, well, I'm new to deep and wide. So you haven't made a pledge. You're like, I don't even know what deep and wide is. Well, come on November 18th. Come to the Pace Center Gathering, learn about what, everything about what deep and wide is and just pray about making a pledge to it. And you would just fill out this card and check that box and, and put in the amount, all right? Most of you, you're already committed to deep and wide. You just put in your current commitment. So the Luck family would just write in what we're already giving. And hey, I'm just confirming, you know, we're halfway through, we're gonna finish strong, that kind of thing. Or if you need to adjust, your, your, your giving commitment. So if you need to adjust it up, that would be great, right? And if you need to adjust it down, that's fine too. So what we're gonna do with these cards, we're, gonna, we're all gonna turn them in to these baskets two weeks from today. So just be praying about it, be thinking about it. And what we're gonna do with these cards is we're gonna sign building contracts based on your, your faith and your pledge. Does that make sense? So, so we've already ordered a whole bunch of steel and uh, it's gonna be delivered here UPS. No, I'm just kidding. But uh, we have ordered the steel, it is on the way. So we're in and we're gonna be breaking ground. So pace that are gathering November 18th, you don't have to be a member to come, just come. Your part, you just come and, and be in the loop. So everybody get that? 
Very good. So be praying about it. Now, we are in the book of Philippians. And I, like I said, we're going we're gonna to spend a little bit of time um, in, in this letter today. And I'm calling this deeper and wider. So we're going to look at chapter 1. Let me just kind of set it up for you this morning. Um, you know, the, Paul, the Apostle Paul wrote this letter to a group of Christians in Philippi. And one of the interesting things about this letter is that it's, it's, the most, it's the most affectionate letter that Paul wrote to the churches that we have. So he had very strong relationships with the Christ followers in Philippi. So he's just very close to them. And, and not only that, but what's interesting about the, the letter to the Philippians is it wasn't really written under ideal circumstances. He's writing this letter from prison. Now, you can only imagine what that would be like, right? So it's not the best, of situ- uh, best circumstances for him. And so what's interesting, when you read through the chapters, the, the, what, what strikes you is how many times you see the word joy and rejoice. And so one of the key themes of Philippians is joy in the midst of difficult circumstances. And so if you're ever just down and depressed and battling depression, you know, my prescription for you would be spend, you know, 30 days reading Paul's letter to the Philippians, read the entire letter every day for 30 days. And I guarantee you, your joy quotient will go up. It really will, because it's all about joy. But there's another big theme about it. And, and, and the big thing that you see in it is this, that he talks a lot about the family of God. He talks a lot about, you know, all of us uh, being in Christ together as, the, as a community of faith. And what he's going to do in the passage that we're going to read in just a minute is he's going to kind of describe what this community looks like. He's going to really put, you know, hands and feet to it, if you will so that we can get our minds and hearts around what is church really about and what is it supposed to be? And that's what we're gonna look at today. So I'm gonna invite you just out of respect for God's word, if you're willing and able, let's stand as we read the word of God together. We're gonna start at, at verse 27 of chapter one. And Paul writes this, he says this, only let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel of Christ so that Whether I come and see you or am absent, I may hear of you that you are standing firm in one spirit with one mind, striving side by side for the faith of the gospel and not frightened in anything by your opponents. This is a clear sign to them of their destruction, but of your salvation and that from God. For it's been granted to you that for the sake of Christ, you should not only believe in him, but also suffer for his sake. Engaged in the same conflict that you saw that I had and now hear that I still have. Chapter 2, verse 1. So if there's any encouragement in Christ, any comfort from love, any participation in the spirit, any affection and sympathy, then complete my joy by being of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interest, but also to the interest of others. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who though he was in the form of God, did not did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant and being born in the likeness of men. 
And being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God has highly exalted him, bestowed on him the name that's above every name, so that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father and all of God's people said, amen. You may be seated. What a great passage. What a great passage of scripture. Here's what I want to do this morning. I just want to share with you, as we kind of unpack this, he just talks about what it means to belong to one another as the family of God. That's really what he does. He's just kind of describing what it looks like, just practically every single day. What does it mean to be the church of Jesus Christ? And I want to just give you kind of three, three characteristics or three descriptors of what it means to belong. And it's this, it's just real simple. It means that we have a common experience. It means that we have a common purpose. And it means we have a common commitment. Let's look at it. Common experience. Look at, look at chapter 2, verses 1 and 2. So he says this. So he says, if there's any encouragement in Christ, any comfort from love, any participation in the Spirit, any affection or sympathy, then make my joy complete by being of the same mind. Now, what is, what is our common experience? Well, it's simple. We're loved by God. That's our common experience. You know, the thing that unites us as a church family is not that we all have the same political perspective, because we don't. One thing that, you know, the thing that unites us is not the fact that we all have the same kind of personality or we have the same background or, you know, that we come from the same, you know, physical family on earth. None of that is true. The thing that binds us together as a church family is the fact that you and I have a common experience. We are loved by God. We've been rescued by God. We were, we were at one time orphaned, but now we've been adopted by God. At one point we were lost, but we've been found. At one point we were in darkness, but now we're in light. That is our common experience. You know, left to ourselves, we, we really wouldn't seek after God. Left to ourselves, we really wouldn't pursue the things of God. Left to ourselves, we are an absolute mess, but God came for us anyway. And Jesus came to seek and to save that which is lost, which is what we were. This church, this is a description of our common experience. Now, I love, I love how he sets this up because if you look at chapter 2, verse 1, if you look at the verse we just read, he, what he's doing kind of grammatically is he's doing this if-then statement. So if this is true and he lists these things, then do this. So he says, if, if you have any encouragement from Christ, you know, any comfort of his love, from his love, any participation in the spirit. If these things are true over, you, over here in the slightest way, he says, then live out your faith as the family of God. Take action as the family of God. That's what he's talking about. And he, and he uses this interesting phrase. It's, it's any encouragement in Christ. You notice that phrase in Christ? We've talked about that before. And, and really what it means to be in Christ, it just means you're a Christian. It means that you're resting in the righteousness of Christ. It means that you are covered in Christ. It means that you belong to Christ, that, that you are, you've been clothed with the righteousness of Christ. That's what it means to be in Christ. And this church is our common experience. And it's not something we've done. It's something God has done for us 
to bring us into his family. Now, let me just tell you this. Uh, Can I tell you what our common experience is not? Our common experience is not that we're the good and moral people. Our common experience is not that we are, you know, we're the ones who have it all together inside these walls and then everybody outside the walls, they're the ones who are kind of broken and messed up, you know. We're the clean ones and they're the unclean ones. Church, can I just tell you the truth? Jesus came to die for sinners because sinners were all that there were to die for. And that's our common experience. That's what we are. We're not the good and moral church. We're the exact opposite. That's what we are. And I think that when we get into this kind of attitude where we start to project onto people who are far from God, that we're kind of better than them and we know more than them or, you know, we're holier than them. I think they begin to sense that and it absolutely repels them away. And it's the, it is really the furthest thing from the truth. It's not that we're the good, the good and moral. It's, it's the fact that we are the broken and sinful. I mean, just, I mean, have you read the Bible? I mean, isn't this the testimony of Scripture from Genesis to Revelation? Isn't this what we read in Scripture all the way through? Can I just give you a picture of what the Bible says about who the family of God is? Well, let me just tell you, you know, Cain was jealous of his brother Abel and killed him. Lamech was a polygamist. You know, there was uh, Noah. You remember the story of Noah? And we just celebrated Noah and, his, and the ark and all of that. Do you know Noah got drunk and cursed his grandson? Do you know that there's a Levite priest who offered his wife to a vile mob for them to violate, which they did? Do you know that Jacob and Esau were brothers and they were bitter enemies for 20 years? Do you know that Joseph's brothers wanted to kill him? You know that Joseph acted better than them, kind of projected, you know, arrogance and high position to them. Do you know that Abraham had sex with his wife's servant? You know, David had an affair with Bathsheba and then David killed Bathsheba's husband. Ladies and gentlemen, may I introduce to you your spiritual family tree right there. I love what John Ortberg says, man, this is not Little House on the Prairie. This is not the Waltons. These people need therapy. They need Dr. Ruth, Dr. Laura, Dr. Phil, Dr. Spock. They need Dr. Seuss and bring him right now. You know what the truth is? We don't really need a doctor. We just need a redeemer, right? We need a savior. And that's exactly what we had. You know, I used to preach this way all the time. You know, you read through the Bible and you pick out these Bible characters like, man, we need to be like David. We need to be like Ruth. We need to be like Esther. Are you kidding me? You know what God did? He redeemed them. Our common experience with one another is is our common experience with the Bible characters. They're sinful and broken just like us. But God in his mercy and his grace saved us. You, You remember the movie As Good As It Gets with Jack Nicholson and Helen Hunt, they're playing characters that are dating each other. You guys remember this movie? And uh, Jack Nicholson's playing this, you know, crud, you know, curmudgeon kind of a guy. He's real irritating. And uh, Helen Hunt's like, you know, dating him. But she says to her mom, you know, she says, Mom, why can't I just find a normal boyfriend? And her mom looks back at her and says, Honey, that's what everybody wants. They just don't exist. And I think a lot of people go and they think, why can't I just have a 
a church that works. You know, why can't I have a, a, a perfect church, you know, where everybody has their life all together? You know, everybody's just squeaky clean, you know, on the inside and on the out. And we just got it all together, got our cards all, you know, in a row, got our whole life just in complete order. And I'm just here to tell you that church just doesn't exist now. But God in his grace and God in his love is committed to us. He's more committed to us than we are to him. And he is committed. He has started a job in us and he's going to finish that job in us. Can I get an amen to that? And so this is not the fellowship of, you know, the good and moral friends. This is the fellowship of of those that struggle and are in need of the grace of God. You know, I've shared with you guys numerous times how I am a recovering people pleaser. I am an approval addict. I really am. And before I know it, I am, my heart is just pursuing, you know, idolatrous affirmation more than it's pursuing God. And I, I'm, and I wish I could just stand up here and just share with you that I've conquered it. I got it. I've whipped it. Man, I, man it's behind me. No more, you know. I can't share that with you because it's not true. The truth is this, that I, I'm getting a little better at figuring out when my heart's going down that road, you know what I mean? And I just, I get to the word of God and I breathe in the oxygen of God's grace to get me back on track. But the truth is, you know, I fail and fall so many times. You can just ask my kids that, they'll tell you that. But the good news of the gospel is this, that even in our failing and our falling and even in our fears, God loves us. And that is the gospel that we celebrate. And that is our common experience. It's just the truth. I know you know the name Alex Rodriguez, right? He's, uh, you know, he's one of the greatest athletes in really professional sports history. Um, played shortstop for a few different teams. But he, he signed one of the biggest pro contracts in the history of sport. I think it was like 10 year, $253 million. And he's a tremendous, he was a tremendous baseball player and, and uh, an athlete. And, but he's not really known for that. He's not really known for how well he can play, how great of an athlete he is. You know what he's known for? He's, he's known for using performance enhancing drugs. And he shared the reason why he used them tarnished his career but the reason why he used him is because of that 253 million dollar contract it was so big he thought he never could live up to that standard and he was afraid of the condemnation that would come if he didn't so he sought every possible illegal advantage he could possibly get to live up to it do you know church what the gospel is the gospel is this there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus for the law of the spirit of life has set me free from the law of sin and death that's the gospel. We don't have to live in fear anymore, right? Because Jesus paid the price. He took on our condemnation that we deserve because the truth is we don't live up to the standard, but Jesus did for us in our place. You know, uh, Brett Favre in 2016, he was, he was inducted in the Pro Football Hall of Fame. And, um, you know, Brett Favre is a man's man. I mean, he is a gunslinger from Kennel, Mississippi. And this guy is you know, sells Levi jeans. He's just macho like crazy, you know. Uh, he really is. And, and, uh, but he shared during that induction speech, you know, he talked about how his dad was his high school football coach, Irv Favre. And uh, most of the time that's kind of a toxic combination, but he shared, he's very open, he's very authentic about his struggle. And uh, he talked about how he never received one word of affirmation from his dad in his entire life, not one word. 
And he said what motivated him to be such a great athlete was his desire to have his dad's approval and affirmation. And he came to realize that there was going to be a day when he was inducted into the Pro Football Hall of Fame. And he got the idea and said, you know what, I'm going to ask my dad to give my induction speech because then he's going to be forced to give me the approval and the affirmation that I've been longing for my entire life. Well, what happened is his dad died 10 years before he was inducted into the Hall of Fame. And he was weeping during his induction speech. And he just sobbed and said, Dad, I sure hope you're proud of me. I sure hope you're proud of me. You know what the good news of the gospel is? We don't have to live that way. We don't have to live that way. You know why? Because the word of God tells us that we have the love and the affirmation of our heavenly father. That God demonstrates his love for us and that while we were sinners, Christ died for us. That's love. There's no other way he can show it. He went all the way. And that is the Father's love for you. And church, that is what binds us together. I don't, it doesn't matter how different we are. It doesn't matter in the least. But one thing we have in common is the love of Jesus Christ and the love of God the Father. Can I get an amen to that? And I just, I want to just give you a moment. I, I don't know where you are. I don't know what kind of week you've had. But I just want to just give you a moment just to lean into God's grace this morning. And maybe there's a sin that you need to confess. Maybe you've just kind of been off track, you know, this week, this month, this year, whatever, wherever you are. I don't know if what you're struggling with, if it's like my struggle, it's all the same idolatry, right? We just need to confess it. So I want to just invite you to bow your heads and your hearts. I want to invite you to pray because God is here. And maybe you need to just confess wherever you are to your heavenly father. Would you just take a minute and just silently do that? God, you are, you are so amazing, and we just thank you for your love for us, Lord. You know our failings, and you know our fallings and our fears, and yet you still love us, God. We're just blown away by that. And so we just, we just claim your word today. Your word says if we confess our sins, you are faithful, and you are just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So whatever you need to confess, whatever business you need to do with your heavenly father, why don't you just do that right now? So thank you that there's no condemnation for those of us who are in Christ. Thank you for covering us with your righteousness.
because we certainly have nothing to bring to the table except our sin. Thank you, God, for your grace. In Jesus' name, amen. So that's our common experience, right? But we also have a common purpose. Let me, let me show you the common purpose. This is in verse 27. Look at what he says in chapter 127. He says, only let your manner of life uh, be worthy of the gospel of Christ so that whether I come and see you or I'm absent, I may hear that you are standing firm in one spirit, one mind, that you are, and I love this phrase, you're striving side by side for the faith of the gospel. I love that. It's a great picture of the family of God. It really describes our purpose as a congregation that we would, that we would stand side by side, that we're striving for the faith of the gospel, right? And so what that means is we're striving to apply God's grace to our life every day to the struggles that we have in our life, to our problems and our failings and our fears. But we're also striving to take the gospel out, to share the gospel in, with the world, with an unbelieving world. That's our common purpose that other people would experience. Let, let me, this, is what, this is what Christianity is. It's really simple. Christianity is this. You are loved by God. Now run to that love. That's what Christianity is. And when, when, the, when the love of God just splashes onto you, then you take it and then splash others with that love of God. Because I'm telling you, people are desperately thirsty for it. And so that's our, that's our common purpose, that we, would, that we would share the gospel. And so what does that look like practically, right? What does that look like that we would strive together as a family for the faith of the gospel? I think one thing it means is that we're praying for the people in our life that are far from God. We're praying for grandsons and granddaughters. We're praying for next door neighbors and coworkers. And we're praying uh, for spouses to come to Christ. And we do not give up. Man, we just press on praying for them. Because they, need, they need, because they need the gospel, right? And, and so God uses our prayers. And so what it means very specifically is that we do that. It also means very specifically that, that we invite those who are far from God to church. You know, we invite them to come and be a part of this family of God. That there's always an extra seat. There's always a room, you know, room for them. There's always a place at the table for people that are far from God in this place. And so you and I are living a lifestyle that says, I just want other people to experience how good and awesome God's grace really is. You know, one of, this, one of, the, one of the highlights of my year this year was Invite Your One Sunday. And that was, you know, in early August where I challenged all of you to invite one friend. It was, it was amazing. I mean, it was unbelievable. It, was a, it had to be like a top two, top three Sunday for me in the history of our church. Because there was just so much expectation that God was, was up to something, that God was working. And all of you, you know, most all of you invited someone. And, you know, as I was kind of thinking about our vision, you know, going forward, I was thinking, man, it would be so bad if we just kind of thought that we did our duty inviting somebody to church on one Sunday and then we're, we're done. Wouldn't that be awful? Like we just kind of thought, well, you know, I did that back in August. So I don't have to do it anymore. I can, live, I can live on mission. You know, I can strive for the gospel just one Sunday out of the year. Are you kidding? No, that, that's, not, that's not the heart of God for us, right? That's not, that's not the vision that we have. What we want to do is we want to be a church that's equipped to share the good news of the gospel. And I don't know about you, but man, our, you know, our country's kind of, we're just kind of crazy right now. You know what I'm saying? You guys feel me on that? Um, it's almost like you it's almost like people are just afraid to talk to each other anymore. We can't, like, we're going to say the wrong thing. We're going to do the wrong thing. You know, somebody's going to call us out, call us a name, whatever. I don't know. And so I think what's happened 
is we're afraid. We just don't share. We're just silent Christians. We're just kind of under the, we still want to cause a ruckus. And I'm just here to tell you, that's not the vision that God's given us as a church. We want to be ambassadors, right? We don't, we don't want to be obnoxious, but we want to be ambassadors. We want to be bold for our faith. And I just think that in the day, in the, in the society that we're in and what our culture is going through, the, the fact that we're divided, you know, racially and divided, you know, economically and the fact that we're, not, you know, divided politically, we're divided in so many other ways. You know what? The church is the one place that has the one answer for all of those, those divisions, that we have the answer to it. And you know what the answer is? There's neither Jew nor Gentile, nor slave nor free, right? Nor male or female. Why? Because the ground is level at the foot of the cross. Why? Because of our common experience of God's love. Doesn't matter the color of your skin, right? Doesn't matter what's in your banking, bank account. What matters is you are made in the image of God and loved by God and loved by us. Does that make sense? So, so we want to invite people into that. And then we, when we, you know, we're, as we're doing this and we're sharing the gospel with those who are far from God. So we're not only praying and inviting, but we're sharing. Because I think a lot of us think, oh, I'll just bring them to church, let Pastor Scott evangelize them. No, we want to we equip you to do it. You're the best. You'll do it better than me any day of the week. So share the gospel. You know, when I was in high school, there was a guy named Todd uh, when I was on the football team. And Todd had the unfortunate uh, occurrence of being my locker mate. So he sat right next to me. And so we'd, we'd have to sit there as we were getting ready for practice, you know. And so I would share Jesus with him just about every day. And I did this for like two to three years. And, um, and so there were days when he was really interested and he listened and asked questions. And then there were other days when he was not, but I just planted a seed and tried to water a little bit. I did this for three years. And uh, we had a good relationship and we had fun, you know, but but he knew where I stood and, and I, I knew he, you know, he just wasn't ready yet. So, so I, I graduated and went on to Asbury University. He graduated, went on to Auburn University. And um, he, did, he did the party thing in college for three years. I mean, he had girls and wine and women and all that stuff. So, um, and so he just got to a place where he was just empty from that. And he was in his apartment and there was a preacher on TV. His name was John Ed Matheson. And he was preaching and he gave, gave an invitation to accept the gospel. And Todd, Todd got in front of the TV and knelt and gave his life to Christ. A few years after that, I went back home to see my parents and I bumped into Todd just accidentally. He came right up to me. He said, Scott, I just want to tell you something. Every day you shared the gospel with me. I know that you thought I wasn't listening, but I was. It just took some time to get there. And I think a lot of us feel like I'm going to share Jesus and hopefully they'll accept Jesus. And if they don't, we walk away feeling like a failure. That's not true. All we're responsible for is to throw the seed out and we just let God water it and we trust him with results. Does that make sense? But church, that can't happen if we're silent and quiet. And so we just, we just need to be ambassadors. And, and we need to be bold in sharing our faith. That is our common purpose as a church. That's our vision going forward. There's one more. Let me share this with you. We not only have a common experience and a common purpose, but we have a common commitment. We have a common commitment. Let me show you this from, from chapter 2, verses 3 and 4. Notice what it says. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interest, but also to the interest 
of others. That's our common commitment. It's loving one another. It's the fact that we're a family of God. And I want you to just think about this. You know, one of these days we're going to do a series on the Trinity. And this is one of the core doctrines of the Christian faith. That God is not only God the Father, but he's God the Son and God the Holy Spirit. He's three persons, but he's one at the same time. And so what you have is you have community right in the middle of the Godhead. You have three distinct persons. They're one, but they're three. They're not three gods, they're one. And so what you have is you've got, you've got community right in the middle of God, right in the middle of the Godhead. You've got fellowship right there. Now here's what just absolutely blows my, blows my mind. Long before the world was even created, God made a decision to open up and share himself, that community, with human beings. And the expression of that community on earth is the church of Jesus Christ. We have been invited into Christ. We have been invited into his family. We've been invited into fellowship with him to experience that community with him and with one another. That is our common commitment, that we live a life giving our life away to one another. That we do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain, vain you know, conceit, but we, we give ourselves to one another. That's what it means. You see, church membership is not, you know, church membership is not having your name on a roll. Church membership is not, you know, have, you know, being a statistic at the bottom of an Excel spreadsheet. You know what church membership is about? It's about this common commitment of loving one another and laying down our life for one another that says, I'm committed to a group of people and this is the group of people I'm committed to. That's what church membership is. That come hell or high water, I'm going to be there for this group of people because they're the family of God. This is the family God's given me. And I mean, when hell and high water comes your way, it's so good, man, to have that family wrapped around you. That's what church membership is. And if you're not a member, you need to be. That's just the bottom line. And so, and so it just impacts everything that we do, that we wanna be, we just wanna be a place where you walk in here and you're loved. And you walk out of here and you're loved. And it doesn't mean we all have the same personality. It doesn't mean we all, you know, we all think the same, we see the same. Certainly not. God loves variety. But what it does mean is that what characterizes our church, the thing that characterizes this church is not how big our building is, but how big our love is for one another and for the world outside. That's our vision. I know it's not, it may not be real sexy, but that's the vision that God has for our church. And so I just invite you into it, church. And just like I'm committed to my, you know, to my family, the Luck family, I'm committed to them. I'm with them no matter what. I'm also committed here because this is, this is my tribe right here. And uh, we have that common experience. So churches, it's not a, it's, we're not a weekly worship service. You know, we're not a building. We're not, this is not a concert. Um, we're not following a preacher. We're following and worshiping Jesus. We're just an ordinary group of people striving for the faith of the gospel. Can I get an amen to that? All right, let me close with this. You know, I don't know if you know the name uh, Michael Abershoff, but he, he was the captain of the USS Benfield and uh, was a US Navy ship in the Pacific. And uh, when he took over the Benfield, they, they have this rating system in the US Navy where they rank ships, give them grades and that kind of thing. And, uh, and so he was at the bottom 
uh, the, or the ship, the Benfield was at the bottom. And so they assigned him to it. And he started to assess, you know, the culture on this ship. And, you know, he found something very, very simple, but it communicated a lot. And I think it has a lot, it speaks a lot to our situation. He talked about how, you know, they would have this weekly cookout on this ship. And so they grill burgers and hot dogs right on the, you know, right on deck of the ship. And so the, you know, the Navy sailors would line up, you know, and they get in a big line waiting for, you know, their food and everything. And it was always the highlight of the week. But then the officers would come down out of the brig and, and come and cut in line, load their plates up with food, and then head back upstairs to eat separately from everybody else. And the captain was kind of watching all this. He's like, okay, this is going to stop. This is going to stop today. And so, um, you know, so as the line, you know, continued to form and everybody got in line, the captain went at the end of the line. And so some of the officers came over to him and said, look, captain, you don't have to be at the end of the line, man. There's not going to be any food left. You better just, just walk up to the front of the line, get your stuff and come up to the brig with us and eat with us where the good people are, basically. And the captain said, we're not doing that anymore. Took them about a week or two, and they finally got the message. You know, a couple weeks later, they lined up, and all the officers were at the end of the line. The captain was the last one in line. And the captain said, you know what? If there's no food left, that's good. I'm good. I don't, I don't need it anyway. They need it. You know what he was doing? He was considering others better than himself. And the thing that God wants for our church is that we wouldn't be divided or you know, segregated or clicked out. That we'd be one. And you know why? Because your captain 2,000 years ago got to the end of the line so that you and I could be fed. So that we could feed off the salvation of his body and blood. And so it's the love of Christ that compels us. I don't want to do church. I want to be the church. Let's pray. Lord, I pray that you would, you would just do a work here at Stones, that you would, you would do a work in our midst and it, it's not that it wouldn't be because we have great pastors or great elders or it would just be because we serve a great God and we just, we just want to make your name famous in our community we just you know just like Pastor Woody we just, we just take you at your word we just believe the word of God and we love the family of God. And so I just ask that that would characterize us here. We're not trying to build some big building, some monument to somebody, God. We're not trying to do that. We just, we just wanna see people grow and experience the love that we've experienced, that's it. We're not better than anybody else. The ground is level at the foot of the cross. So we just yield ourselves to you. Send your Holy Spirit so that your word would work in us 
that your word would transform us, that your word would change us. So thank you for never giving up. Thank you for never cutting and running on us. And thank you most of all for going to the end of the line. May that, may that characterize us here. And so we thank you and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen.